This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dockin and Grant Collins will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today, it is July 27th. It's a Tuesday. We saw the S&P fall from records ahead of a big earnings week, so we snapped the five-day winning streak. S&P was down 0.47%. Dow Jones Industrial was down 0.24%. Saw the VIX shoot up 10.13%. Treasuries were more or less flat, 1.239%. And uh, one one interesting thing is that Google announced that their ad revenue rose 69% from last year. Uh, Grant, anything else we should be kind of looking at? We saw Tesla's quarterly profit surpass $1 billion for the first time. That's been a really heavily shorted stock over the last couple of years, and they finally are continuing to have quarterly profits. We did see Elon Musk again delay the company's truck rollout, and I know people were looking forward towards that. Um, So continued delay on that. Seems like a big shortage of uh, chips, microchips, uh, will be a big driver factor for that moving forward. One big thing is recently saw a press release come out from the National Bureau of Economic Research. They really set the guidelines for when a recession occurred and how long it lasted in duration. Uh, So they just came out with their analysis of the COVID-19 recession. Uh, shows it's one of the deeper, but also one of the shortest in U.S. history, uh, only lasting just two months, really, from February 2020 to the uh, to to April. So, it was fascinating to see how fast the GDP plunged in the second quarter of last year, really 31.4 percent. And to your point, really, how fast the recovery has happened. A lot of that was because the stimulus that we've seen, as well as the actions of the Fed. So, really. Interesting to see how drastically it drops, but then how quick we have rebounded. And that rebound really has been a big impact if we talk about wage inflation and just inflation in general. Wage inflation has really become a big topic as we've seen workers quitting in huge numbers. We're even seeing McDonald's now start to offer hourly wages for for childcare, college tuition. We're seeing boomers begin to to retire uh, and, the, and the youngest really now entering into those last years before pre-retirement. Drew, what's your take on where we are with wage inflation right now? Yeah, so there's been a lot of analysis done and we talked to Jonathan Golub last week about how much of that has to do with jobless claims, uh, how much of that has to do with health care. But one of the large macro factors that we didn't really discuss uh, is is ultimately we've seen, like you've mentioned, when we're looking at the working age population, specifically when we're looking at the U.S. civilian non-institutional population between ages 20 and 64, uh, that number is declining. So, um, I mean, you know, you're 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 looking at that as uh, in this article in particular, a lot of people have defined it. If you look at, you know, the World Bank defines it as 15 to 64. Well, why this demographic is important is because between the ages of 20 to 64, those ages have a 50% larger uh, or 50% or more labor force participation. So you see that number diminishing as a result of record lows in both immigration and birth rates. 
uh, in the country. And yeah, that's that's where you're seeing a lot of the workers' ability to you know demand more for for the first time really in, in a long time because you've got just all these roles to fill. And uh, yeah, sure, some most of it was COVID, but that's only accelerated these trends that have occurred over the last two years. And one of the biggest components of GDP is the size and the growth of your labor force. So what we've seen was a slowdown in legal immigration during the Trump administration. And then a big one over the last coming decades, I would say, we've seen an undershot of birth rates. So birth rates have fallen in the U.S. uh, lower than, uh, so last year in 2020, there was an estimated 3.6 million babies born, and that was the lowest since 1979. So we are seeing that our our, our growth rate of, of humans and people in the United States is also decreasing. That will have a big factor um, on our GDP. So therefore, we could see wage inflation begin because we do see that decreasing of the labor force. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, the oldest of the boomers are turning 75. Um we haven't really seen sharp drops like this since the Korean War and Vietnam, and that's ultimately because those were conscription wars. So you had large, uh, significant populations of the American public, you know, were 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 drafted into armed services, which uh, were are excluded from you know worker participation, you know, from that standpoint. So yes, it's been a long time um, since we've had just such a steep drop of labor force participation. And that's largely due to these demographic trends and COVID obviously pushed a lot of older workers on the sidelines. You know, they they, they call it quits, so. And if we think about a different kind of inflation, the topic that everyone has been talking about for the last couple of weeks, no matter what circle you're in, is inflation. So we did see Janet Yellen, the treasury secretary, come out last week talking about prices continue to rise for several more months, but that, the inflation that we've seen, the sharp rise will start to ease over time. Really, her biggest concern is about how the increase in prices impact lower income families, especially ones who are looking for homes or just coming back uh, to work from the pandemic. We have also heard echoes of this from the Fed that they believe that even though inflation is the fastest pace in nearly 13 years, that it will continue to drop after this initial sur- surge. Drew, are you buying that or is this just the Fed trying to calm people down from inflation? I mean, maybe the, the European Central Bank thinks that of the ECB economies, um, when we're excluding food and energy, that's actually been rising at its fastest point in 30 years. Uh, and then you look at things like housing prices have climbed 15%. I, I, I do think that a big part of this is obviously supply issue shocks. So those will no doubt get shorted or, you know, solved. But, you know, with the Delta variant and everything um, and with very slow rollouts in, in a lot of the developing economies, you know, I think there might be some starts and stops to this thing over maybe a two year period. So we were very optimistic a couple months ago, uh, but we got to keep an eye out on new variations and how that have affects, you know, supply lines and, and manufacturing chains across the globe. That's a great point. I mean, we were decimated with supply. I mean, that's what we saw with lumber. And then now lumber prices have dropped when supply was able to pick back up. I do believe 
that should have a, a big impact. One of the other big driving factors that we've seen is not only the Fed, but other central banks in Europe and Japan really went on a big spending spree. We saw the Fed buy a large portion of mortgage-backed securities, whereas the European Bank and Bank of Japan really focused more on, on loans, keeping businesses afloat. We have seen them spend, uh, the combined in the U.S., Europe and Japan spent $9 trillion. Are, are we thinking that this is also a big driver for inflation because there is so much cash in the in the circulation right now, Drew? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, when you look at responses, uh, central bank responses in 2008, a lot of them were a lot more conservative than ours, um, definitely in terms of uh, monetary policy, but then we also saw that in fiscal policy too. It seems like Eurozone is trying not to make the same mistake. I mean, they recovered as we did, but it was a little bit slower. Uh, and really growth when you're looking at that period was slow across the board. So I do think that's why you're seeing balance sheet increases um, explode since since 2008, because I mean, people, people want to put on the gas. Uh, and there's just a lot less, you know, austerity uh, either either when we're looking at central banks and when we're looking at governments uh, this go around. And we have seen all of them announce that they are going to begin to really taper down that process if they were to all of a sudden really just cut it off. It could have big impacts on the credit markets itself. No one really knows what this inflationary is going to cause. I think Japan has been buying bonds for decades and its balance sheet is now larger than an economy. So that is a way different scale than what we're seeing in Mm -hmm. the United States with the Fed or even in Europe with the central bank there. You know, they would have to continue buying bonds at the clips they've been buying over the last year for several years uh, before that, just because the size of of their balance sheet. So I think Japan is a little bit different of a story Um, and inflation there might be might be a different thing than, than the United States, but the, the continued actions of the Fed will be really heavily watched. We did see Jerome Powell get grilled in Congress uh, earlier this week uh, about all of the, the the inflation headlines. So it'd be interesting to see. I think that the low hanging fruit would be to uh, start unwinding these programs rather than raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. And another thing is brought up Japan. Uh, they, they, you know, they they're owning half of all the outstanding Japanese government bonds, but the Bank of Japan also hasn't seemed to pursue buying ETFs uh, like our Fed does, which was, which was you know, kind of a unique policy. But I mean, yeah, I mean, ultimately, when you're looking at Europe and we're talking, we talked about inflation in the States. I mean, one of the things that Yellen is, one, one point she makes on why this is probably not long term is because of 10-year treasuries. Uh, and and even when you look at the ECB, that's kind of similar when you're looking at yields across, uh, you know, across Europe. So it's one thing to point to that, you know, the eurozone inflation is expected to drop well below its target by the end of the first quarter of next year. And we saw that they're also comfortable with overshooting their actual inflation, which is something similar that the Fed has said uh, that people were a little reluctant about. Another thing Jonathan Gold mentioned, and it's one thing that we need to continue to think about, is our inflation numbers are usually based over year over year. So our inflation numbers are going to look higher this year than last year because we were in lockdown across across the globe as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, 
right. You, you got to look from where you started to where you are now. <laughs> started from the bottom, now we're here. So inflation obviously looks, um, is, is, obviously, is obviously posting bigger numbers. Uh, we, you know, we took our break and we haven't talked about infrastructure for a while, but you know, your within favorite our, within our five week break, there's still infrastructure week every week and that <laughs> hasn't stopped. Uh, you know, they shot down a procedural vote. August recess is coming in. Um, since we've talked last, they've drastically cut down the bipartisan bill or they're referring to as the BIF now, uh, from like a little back to the future-esque, you know, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. So yeah, you're looking at 1.2 trillion um, in that bill, uh, roughly over, you know, 500 billion of that is gonna be new spending and that's gonna really be, you know, the brick and mortar broadbands and um, water and roads and everything else. So we'll see if they can come up with that. But I think that if they have the bipartisan for that bill, I think the Democrats have to take what they can get when it comes to this, because we do need infrastructure spending. When was the last time that we've we've seen our transportation or or broadband utilities that are falling apart really been updated? I mean, you give me the date and I bet it's five years prior to that. Uh, Whereas this 3.5 trillion package that's addressing climate change, childcare, healthcare, I think that that probably won't pass. And realistically, it, it shouldn't be part of the infrastructure uh, bill, um, but we're continuing to see that. I know they're coming up on their August recess. Both sides look to uh, drive this before the recess, but I, I think there will be a split on the uh, on the larger infrastructure bill. Yeah, yeah, these guys have a lot of time off for as few federal holidays as we have. I mean, we're talking about grown grown ass adults who have recess uh, every couple months. But I mean, yeah, the, the budget reconciliation deal. I mean, right now on the docket for it, it's going to include national paid family leave, universal preschool, extension of the expanded child tax credits that just kicked in uh, this prior month, free community college and more affordable housing. What we should really mention, though, and as it affects retirees is what it's going to do with Medicare. Um, It's going to be covering dental and, and vision. So you're talking about glasses, eye exams, root canal, hearing aids, teeth cleanings, everything else. Um, I don't think they're going to drop it down to 60, which is definitely what the progressive wing of the Democratic Party wanted. I think they'll probably keep the age at 65. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely going to change the scope of Medicare. Uh, and, and you're looking at, you know, the Kaiser Foundation reported in 2019 uh, nearly half of Medicare recipients, you know, weren't in a dentist uh, in over a year. So that's that's a big problem. And about one in seven retirees are losing all their teeth as a result. But yeah. <laughs> dentures are a wonderful thing. Yeah, I think that's really important. A big one for me that came out of this package was the uh, being able to negotiate for lower prescription drug prices, especially for Medicare users. I know that is a, a big industry and also a big burden for a lot of family with the prescription drugs, especially uh, with, with, with how expensive they continue to become. I do think dropping the age to, to 60 was a little bit aggressive, especially as people longevity, they're living longer. So adding that additional five years also is a drastic increase in cost um, because at the end of the day, the money has to come from somewhere. So I, I do think that's a, a big driver of that. But 
overall, I think enhancing Medicare and continuing to tweak it so it is beneficial for the majority of the population is, is what we should be doing. Yeah, it's, I mean, 60 is a tough pill to swallow when you're looking at it in terms of, I mean, pensions are being kicked up. I mean, you're more than halfway there. Uh, yeah, yeah, give or take. <laughs> Going down the line. So, uh, yeah. Anything else you got for us, Grant? Uh, two big ones. Can, I don't know if you've been watching, but I've been loving watching the, the Olympics, the, the swimming and the volleyball. Um, so tune into that. It should be see, interesting to see how the women's gymnastics do. Um, lastly, what I have is the COVID vaccines has been a really hot topic for a number of reasons, but really the vaccine mandate we're we're seeing if companies are going to do it seems like the government is now taking the lead we've seen california mandate or or testing for state government workers new york city is mandating vaccine or testing for all municipal employees which is between california and new york city almost 500,000 people so that's a large number even the uh, veteran affairs may become the first federal agency It'll be interesting to see how large corporations, especially the, the larger banks, because they seem to be a little bit more aggressive, the Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan's on their quarterly calls, to see how they mandate vaccines. Yeah. Um, I mean, Biden just announced he's looking at forcing federal employees uh, to get vaccinated. We should also mention we're in the part of earnings seasons. Uh, you know, we had Microsoft and Starbucks come out a lot more, a lot more down the road to to be on the lookout. So um, some some big numbers will be posted. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's all we've got for this week. Thanks for all the likes and subscribes. We'll talk to you next week, and we're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wellfest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by Wellfest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.